If you're so able to do so, would you please stand? Matthew 7, and we'll begin together in, uh, on, in verse number 8. I'll begin 7. We'll read together beginning in verse 8 and read responsively down through verse number 12. The Bible says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be open unto you. Together, verse 8. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom, if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more uh, shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. The title of the sermon this morning is this, Getting Good Things from God. Getting Good Things from God. I said a few weeks ago in a sermon, whether or not we like it, the structure is that God is the giver and we are the receiver. We must go to God in prayer. We must ask Him for these things. Well, what are these good things? We're going to look at that this morning through sermon. What should we be praying for? How do we go about praying? This will be the most practical sermon of the four. And if you've been here, uh, the other sermons and thought to yourself, pastor, I really feel challenged to pray. I'm just not really sure how to do that. How do I, what do I say when I bend a knee? Well, today we hope to help you with uh, just exactly uh, what you should pray and how you should pray. Let's go to God in prayer this morning and ask him to bless our time uh, in the word. Lord, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for its practicality. Thank you, Lord, that it is a great help to us in our day-to-day life. Lord, help us to leave here today with a better understanding of Scripture. And then, Lord, a challenge within each of our hearts to go forth and put what we've heard into practice. Help us to be a people of prayer. May this be a house of prayer, just as you ordered, just as you commanded. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Remember back to your days as a child. Some of you still are children in here. All right, so you don't have to think back too far. Remember back to your days as a child. Um, one memory from my childhood was Christmas and birthdays. I loved Christmas and birthdays. Uh, I grew up in a home that, for the most part, was poor. And then when I got a little older, my dad got a new job at a new church and had a little more money, but he still acted like we were poor. All right, and uh, was a penny pincher to the extreme. And I have a lot of uh, memories with that. I remember we'd go uh, to visit my grandmother in Louisiana back when she was alive. And it was a two and a half hour drive. And my dad would feed, my dad would have our grandmother feed us right before we left. And we wouldn't stop for anything until we got home. And there was milk and cereal, um, uh, off-brand cereal, amen, in the cupboard. And uh, when we did have to stop to eat on a trip, we would get uh, the cheapest hamburger McDonald's sold we would drink water, and then uh, there would be two or three large fries. I'm the oldest of seven kids, and so we would split two or three large fries amongst all of us. So that was my childhood growing up. Um, we never really went out to eat unless someone else was paying for it. Amen? And um, uh, on Thursdays, Long John Silvers, is that how you say that? I called it Long John Slivers growing up, just to be silly. But Long John Silvers had a... Let's see, kids eat free on Thursday. And we made sure we went in there with the seven of us kids, and they lost money on that deal, let me tell you. 
but uh, we had a great time uh, with those memories. But Christmas and birthdays were special, and my, my parents really never gave us often big, elaborate gifts. Um, my parents were smart because they didn't have a lot of money, and there were a whole lot of us, and they wanted Christmas to feel special, so they would wait to buy us necessities uh, for two or three months, and then they would give us all of these necessities on Christmas morning. And so under the tree, man, it was just loaded up. But they had been, you know, buying socks and underwear and dress clothes for church and, and saving it. And uh, and, and so they, all the gifts were piled up. And so, you know, you'd walk in Christmas morning and you'd see this mountain of gifts. And, oh, you know, you're a little kid. You don't know any different. You just think it's great. And so there's my Christmas tree as a little boy. Brother Joe, you got out ahead of me a little bit here. That's all right. Okay, get rid of the picture. Are right, you going to give away my illustration here? All right, uh, back to that in a minute. Um, we'd, uh, my parents would, um, uh, they would um, uh, shoot to get us each one or two gifts that we really, really wanted. And so um, one year we got a mini trampoline, and we all took turns jumping up and down on that. We had a great time. But my favorite Christmas, I had been... I had been dreaming about a bicycle, just dreaming about getting a bicycle and, and talking about it all the time. You know, kids aren't real subtle. I would love to have a bicycle. I would love to have a bicycle. I would love to have a bicycle. And so when I turned somewhere seven or eight years old, I went into my parents' room and woke them up. And they had us wait. They had us wait. And my mom got her camera. And uh, she went uh, with my dad into our, our, our family room, our den area. And they got in position and they let us come in, and lo and behold, there were two bicycles for me and my brother. There they are on the, on the right there, huffy red and white bicycles. And, man, that was this is my favorite Christmas memory right here, okay? And so here is me and my brother at seven or eight years old, the look on our face when we saw those bicycles. There we are right there. There's your pastor. You see my little sister in the background there, Hannah. And so there's me and Timmy. There we are, Brother Joe, zoomed in a little bit. Um, so I had hair back then. Amen. Um, you'd see how happy we were. And uh, I don't know what else I got for Christmas that day. Probably just a bunch of socks and underwear. But the bicycle was all that really mattered. I asked and asked and asked and asked and asked. And on that Christmas, uh, on that Christmas morning, I got um, that bicycle. What an exciting time. Beyond Christmas and birthdays, my parents would do little things to surprise us. Uh, my dad... He, would, uh, he had a business cutting lawns, and so he was school principal all day, you know, doing that, and then he put me and my brother in the back of this old beat-up blue work van with a, with a bus seat that had, he had found somewhere and bolted down to the floor. Was it safe? No, it wasn't safe. Was it fun? It was awesome. The inside smelled like gas or diesel all the time, and, you know, if I have uh, cancer one day, I'm going to blame it on that, and, uh, you know, my dad would hit the brakes, and we'd go sliding all over the vehicle, and... Uh, he had uh, built a ramp to get his uh, lawnmower into the back, the riding lawnmower into the back of that thing. And, you know, you had the gas lawnmower, you had the gas weed eater, you had the gas edger, the gas blower. And, and uh, we're, we'd go with him after school and we'd help him cut lawns. And then uh, we'd stop at the gas station occasionally, occasionally. And the highlight of the going out and cutting grass was uh, we would, uh, my dad would stop and he would get us a knee-high soda. Anybody here remember knee-high sodas? How many old enough to remember knee-high sodas? Okay, you had purple and pineapple. and It's similar to Fanta, all right, but better. Fanta, but better, okay? And then uh, my favorite is we would get 25 cents. You can't get them for 25 cents anymore, all right? But 25 cent honey buns. How many of you here like honey buns? Anybody other than me? 
Um, if I'm stopping at a gas station to get gas, there's a chance I'm going inside and getting a honey bun, especially if I'm missing mom and dad. You know, uh, there's just a sentimental connection there. And so we'd, uh, my brother and I would sit in the back seat of that vehicle and we would whisper back and forth to each other. You know, the vehicle's old. I think my dad bought the blue van for $400. And so it was just a piece of junk and my dad couldn't hear us. And we'd whisper back and forth and say, it's your turn to ask. No, it's your turn to ask. No, it's your turn to ask. Finally, one of us would get up the courage and we'd say, hey, dad, do do you think we can stop and, and get a snack on the way home? And, and he'd sit there real quiet, like, right? Act like he didn't hear us. Hey, hey, dad. Do you think we could stop and get a, a knee-high soda and a honey bun on the way home? And if my dad was feeling generous, he'd give each one. If he wasn't, we'd have to split the honey bun. And uh, we would have to ask and persist and persist. And uh, we would ask and we would get that honey bun. And um, uh, the Bible says in verse 11 of our passage, look back at verse 11. It says, if ye then, speaking of dads or parents, if ye then being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children... How much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things, good things, to them that ask Him? We're told here that God wants to give us good things. He puts a prerequisite on getting those good things. We must ask Him. We must ask Him. Psalm 37, verse 4 says this, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee, the desires of thine heart. How do you delight yourself in the Lord? You do that by spending time, by walking with God. I've talked about this much this year, but when you go on a walk with someone, you commune with them, and they commune with you. You do some talking, and you do some listening, and the better and the deeper you get to know someone, the more intimate those thoughts are that you share, and the more personable those thoughts are that you share, and relationships are built one conversation at a time, and as you delight in the presence of God, as you delight in the Lord, He gives you the desires of thine heart. James 1 verse 5 says, If any man lack wisdom, or rather if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. It shall be given him. If you ask for wisdom, Christian, the Bible says that God will give you wisdom, and we know that God always keeps his word. What am I trying to say this morning? Our God is a giving God. Our God is a giving God. The Lord enjoys giving. Uh, My mom took that picture on Christmas morning. And you know who got more joy that Christmas morning uh, than me? My mom and dad did. Uh, Seeing the face lit up. Those of you here that are parents or grandparents and you give away gifts. uh, The the joy. Listen, I get gifts on Christmas morning uh, even still today. But i got to tell you, I enjoy a lot more watching my kids open their gifts than I do opening my own gifts. And uh, the, the joy God gets of giving good things to us. And we come to His uh, throne. We come into His throne room and uh, boldly, as Hebrews 4 tells us, and we ask of God and He enjoys being the giver because it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, if God is handing out good things, good things, what are these good things and how do I... Qualify. I think that's the question all of us have this morning. Let's jump in this morning to our outline and let's look at five thoughts uh, from Christ's teaching on this idea of getting good things 
from God, good things from God. And so if you received a bulletin on your way in, I say this for our visitors each week, on the back of that bulletin you'll find a fill-in-the-blank outline and uh, the um, points will be up on the screen to help you be able to fill in the blank. So take notes as we go. If you hear something that uh, is meaningful to you, scribble that down and you have that later uh, to review and let that soak in even deeper. All right, let's jump in here. Number one, notice Christ's condition. Christ's conditions. There are people all over this world who are lined up in the wrong line. You see, we are born with a sin nature and that puts us in Satan's line. It puts us in Satan's line. John 3 says this, um, that if you believe, you're not condemned. But if you believe not, you are condemned already. And we're born by default not believing in God. We're born by default with a sin nature. We're born by default rebelling from God and rebelling from God's plan of salvation. We're on a, we're in a line that if we advance to the end of that line and, and die in that line, we're going to wake up one day in a devil's hell. But Jesus has made it possible for you to get out of that line and get in His line. Matthew chapter 7 verse 14 says this, it says, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Now, there are a few translations of the English Bible that says that hard is the way. But notice that the Bible here does not say that it's hard. It says few there be that find it. It says narrow is the way. Listen, the truth is it is not hard to switch from Satan's line into Jesus' line. It is not hard to get off the devil's path and get on Jesus' path. You say, well, why do so few do it? So few do it because they are not willing to swallow their pride and humble their heart and put their full faith in Christ alone to be their Savior. Um, Once you become born again, you now qualify to stand in God's line and get good things from him, all right? Many Christians, uh, though, still don't get in line. Oh, they're on the path to heaven, but they don't get in line. They don't pray and ask God to give them good things. Look down at Matthew 7 and look at verse number 7. Look at verse 7. What are Christ's conditions? They're laid out right here. Ask, and it shall be given you. What's that next word? Seek, and ye shall find. And the next one? Knock, and it shall be open unto you. For every one that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, Findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Now in Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8, I see three levels of um, uh, petitioning heaven. Three levels of, of praying. Alright, let me give you level one. Level one is ask or petition. Ask or petition. Many people go through life trying to find good all on their own. They're trying to dial in good all on their own. Now let me just say, uh, sometimes the simplest doctrine you can give can be the most effective. All right, The doctrine I'm going to share with you right here is very simple, but yet so few people in our world outside of church really truly grasp this. Okay, Here we go. God is good. God is good. God cannot do evil because God is good. Alright, here's a Here's a contrast doctrine. Ready? Here it is. The devil is evil. The devil is evil. Have you noticed that God and good are only one letter apart? And the devil and evil are only one letter apart. Even our own etymology is trying to tell us that God is good. And that the devil is evil. Now, God 
let me, let me flesh this truth out a little bit here. Ready? God authors good. He authors good. Where you see good in the world, God is the author of that good. All right? Here we go. Let's flesh it out further. The devil authors evil. The devil authors evil. Satan is in charge of all the evil that you see in this world. Listen, this is super basic, super simple, but I'm going somewhere with it. Hang in here with me. All good things from God bring joy. All good things from God bring joy. When I get in line with what God calls good and I receive those good things from God, the end result is always joy. All right, here we go. All evil things that say, uh, from Satan eventually bring pain and hurt. Eventually b- bring pain and hurt. You say, how do I know if something is truly good and evil? Because the lines are blurred. And uh, we were told that evil in the last days would be called good. And good would be called evil. We know, uh, according to the, out of the very mouth of Jesus in the book of Matthew, uh, uh, chapter number 24, we know that in the end days it will be like the days of Noah, where the thoughts and imaginations of every man are only evil continually. And, and, and evil is celebrated as good. And good is put down is evil. And you say, well, pastor, the lines are blurred. and This is confusing. How do I know when something is good and something is evil? Well, very simple. Look at the end result. Does it bring joy? Because if it brings joy, then it comes from God and it's good. Does it bring pain and hurt and destruction as the end result? Well, then you know that it is authored from Satan, authored from the devil, and it is evil. Uh, If you're not asking the author of good for his good, then you cannot and should not expect to get good from him. You're not asking the author of good for his good, then you cannot and should not expect him to give it to you. A mistake many Christians make is that we begin to take God's goodness for granted. We begin to take God's goodness for granted. Have you ever made the mistake as a parent or grandparent of giving good things to your kids on such a, just extras to your kids on such a regular basis that they cease to say thank you? They just kind of, yeah, right? Hey, I got you the latest game system out. Eh, okay. Right? And then if you don't get it for them, they complain. Right? Hey, uh, you know what? Let's not get you the, Walmart champion shoes. Let's take you down to Foot Locker and get you some Jordans. Well, you always get me Jordans. What's the big deal? Right? We, we, we just begin, your kid, if we're not careful, kids begin to take the good we do for them for granted. You know, we do the same thing with God. Don't we? God pours down blessings on us every day, whether we ask for them or not. And instead of saying, thank you, Lord, that my car started, it's, What? My car didn't start. What's wrong with this piece of junk? Right? You lose your job after 20 or 30 years and begin to gripe at God because He took your job away. But did you thank Him each day you got there? That you had that job? That He provided that for you? Can I tell you, a big mistake many of us make is that our bodies are a complex systems that all work together. And... Listen, you may have an ache and a pain here today. I've got some aches and pains right now. 
nothing minor or nothing major. They're just minor. They're just nagging little things. And, and if I'm not careful, what happens is I focus on what's wrong with me, not what's right with me. Instead of thanking God for all of my bodily systems that are, are working in order and working together, what ends up happening is I, well, I, I, I wish this would stop hurting. I wish that would stop being a problem. We, we begin to take for granted the good that God does give us in our life. And instead of asking Him and thanking Him, we take it for granted. And then even worse than taking God's goodness for granted, we become entitled. We become entitled. God, you owe me. You owe me. Can I just tell you this? God does not owe us anything. You know what I deserve? I deserve to go and die and burn in the devil's hell. That is not something that's easy to say in this culture in 2022. I am a sinner. I am a reprobate of God. I have broken God's law more times than I can even count. And if God gave me justice, if God threw the book at me, He picked me up by the nap in my neck, and He dropped me in hell, and that's exactly where I deserve to go. The truth is, that's all of us. But we don't get the good things that we're used to getting from God, and we begin to gripe and complain, and we act entitled toward those things. And I just want to say, wait a minute, hold on. Didn't Jesus teach us in the, in the model prayer, didn't he teach us that we're to ask him to give us our daily bread? Right? Our daily bread. Level one, we are to ask God. How regular, how often do you just take good things for granted and you cease to bend a knee and pray? Level one praying is that you ask or petition. Level two praying is that you seek or pursue. You seek or pursue. Look back at Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7 with me. The Bible says, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Take your Bibles over to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 this morning, and uh, let's look at a couple of parables that Jesus told out of Luke 15 about this idea of seeking or pursuing. Sometimes we go to God and we say, Lord, could you please provide this? Lord, could I please have that? And God says, well, maybe, but I just need you to maybe uh, uh, seek my face a little bit more. I need you to commune with me a little bit deeper. I used the illustration a few weeks ago about a kid who runs up on a door, uh, a front doorstep and he rings the doorbell. And before you can even get to the door to answer it, he's already ran off and ran down the street. And oftentimes we run to heaven and we knock on heaven's door and we say, Lord, I need this. And we turn and leaving. By the time God gets there to commune with us, we're long gone into our day doing the next thing. And God says, listen, I don't just want you to ask. I want you to seek my face. I want you to pursue a deeper relationship with me. Uh, look at Luke 15. Look at verse 1. Let's read down through verse 7. The Bible says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, what man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he lay it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which hath no repentance. What is he saying here? He's saying that the shepherd who's lost the sheep is willing to leave the 99 behind to go and find that one sheep, to go find that one lamb, to pursue and pursue and pursue and look and look and look until he has found that sheep. 
put it on his shoulders and brought it back to the flock. We are to pray in like manner. We are to pursue the face of God and pursue and pursue and pursue until that thing which we have prayed for, that thing which we have labored for, until God has answered it. But look down at verse number 8 and let's read down through verse 10. And we see not only the shepherd that was seeking the lost sheep, but the maid that was seeking for the lost coin. Look at verse 8. Either that woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, peace doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Now, the passage here clearly is talking about Jesus seeking for sinners and finding them and bringing them in to the fold. But can I say this morning that we are to pray in like manner. We are to pray and seek the face of God. We are to pray and pursue the heart of God. Uh, Asking requires nothing more than a few minutes of your time. Seeking requires you to labor in prayer. It requires a greater amount of time. It requires a greater amount of energy. Uh, It requires a greater amount of your resources because you're going to labor in prayer. Uh, Mankind seeks what what is truly important to his heart. Now, before I move on to number three, let me just say what I think happens with many of us. Here's what I think happens. We are only dependent on God to give us what we want, about 5%. We're dependent on ourselves, 95%. You say, prove that, Pastor. Okay. When you pray for 30 seconds and then work for hours to solve it on your own, who are you really trusting to get it done? We throw a token prayer up to heaven. Lord, would you help me with fill in the blank? No, I'm going to go figure out. And God says, well, wait a minute here. Why don't you pray 95% and then follow through and do what I tell you to do? Why don't you believe that I'm the one who can provide that for you and take care of that for you? You see, we don't, shouldn't just ring heaven's doorbell and run away. We should knock on heaven's door and then sit at the feet of Jesus and commune with Him and really believe that He is the one that provides all things that are good. Level one, we ask or petition. Level two, we seek or pursue. Level three, we persist. We persist. Look at verse number eight. It says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. I believe wholeheartedly that prayer moves the heart of God. I believe that even more so prayer molds the heart of the Christian. As I get on my knees and ask, God begins to change me. As I get on my face and seek and beg God for something that is good, I change even more into the man that He wants me to be. Sometimes God wants us to go beyond asking and seeking. Sometimes God wants us to go as far as knocking. Jacob prayed and wrestled with God all night. And as a result, God changed His name to Israel and blessed him. Jacob persisted. Moses knocked on heaven's door and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Prayed and fasted. Aaron and the Israelites were spared God's all-consuming wrath. Why? Because Moses 
persisted. Joshua knocked on heaven's door. And clarity was given over Achan's sin. It was addressed and Israel conquered the rest of their promised land. Why? Because Joshua persisted. Daniel knocked on heaven's door and God gave him both the dream and the interpretation from Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel's life and the life of his peers were spared. Why? Because Daniel persisted. Later Daniel fasted and prayed for 21 days as the forces of Satan uh, held back the angels of heaven. Daniel continued praying until the forces of God broke through and the answer to Daniel's prayer was delivered. Why? Because Daniel again persisted in prayer. Paul spent three plus years on the backside of the desert walking with God in prayer. God gave him the knowledge of the gospel of salvation that we now enjoy in the book of Romans and Ephesians and 1 Corinthians and many of his other epistles. Why did we receive this gift from heaven? Because Paul persisted in prayer. In fact, you cannot go through Scripture and find anyone in Scripture that accomplished anything great for God that was not a man or a woman of prayer. It is great to petition God. Ask. It is better to pursue God. Seek. It is best when we persist with God and we knock. This shows another level of dedication to, the, to our Lord. This says, I am willing to confront whenever and whoever I need to get these good things from God. It is grabbing hold of an idea in prayer with God and saying, I will not let go until the morning light. I will wrestle. I will fight. I will battle in prayer. No, I'm not battling against God. I'm battling in prayer with God. And God, I'm expecting you to do some miraculous things. The journey will change you. This persistence molds your heart while it moves God's heart. Some good things God will give you is if you just simply ask. Some good things God will only give you if you're willing to seek. And then there's another whole other level of good things God will only give to those who knock and continue to persist with heaven. Number one, we see Christ's conditions. Number two, notice a parent's care. A parent's care. Look at Matthew chapter 7 and look at verse 9. The Bible says, Of what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? Here God is using an illustration they very well understand. All right, parents. Your child comes up and he's hungry. He says, give me something to eat. Give me some bread. Mom and dad say, here's a rock. Go outside and play. Right? Hey, mom, I broke all my teeth trying to eat that stone. Well, best of luck to you. No parents do that, right? No sane, sensible parents give their child a, a rock when they're hungry. And child says, can I have some, some meat? Can I have a, a, a fish? Can I have a piece of fish? And mom and dad say, here's a scorpion. Go play in the backyard. Don't get stung. Nobody does that. We know that parents, God puts into take care of their kids no matter the cost. There's a story about a missionary in Korea back in the 1950s. There was a very, very bad snowstorm, uh, just a blizzard of a snowstorm that lasted an entire day. And he and his wife, as you would expect, were hunkered down inside and... Um, 
after the snowstorm was over. They cleared the walkways and, you know, a couple of feet of snow. And the missionary went for a walk just to see uh, the beauty of the snow. And lo and behold, he saw the body of a dead, uh, uh, he saw the body of a dead naked woman laying just off the side of the road, only just uh, about a half a mile from his home. And he thought he recognized the, the lady that was there. It was a mother who was poor and uh, homeless and uh, he had help, tried to help her uh, he and his wife had tried to help her and, and he noticed that she was facing in the direction of his home and he heard something and he flipped her body over and underneath her body was a little baby girl, her little baby girl she had kept alive through her warm body there in the snow she was trying to make it to the missionary and trying to make it into his home through the snowstorm and she died and gave her life to keep her little one alive. And, you know, my friends, I think if you're a good parent here today, if you're a normal, reasonable parent, any parent would be willing to lay their body down on top of their child to keep that child alive. Why? Because as parents, we care for our children. Can I just say this morning that many times, oftentimes, and I'm going to be careful here, but oftentimes people develop their opinion of God the Father based on their relationship with their earthly father based on their relationship with their earthly father. If you had an earthly father that raised you in church and did his best to be a good, solid Christian man, you probably have a pretty, naturally you have a pretty accurate view of God. Others in here grew up without a father in their life at all, and they don't know what that relationship with God looks like. And I would say this, you can learn that and develop that by studying the Bible and studying the Scriptures. And the longer you're saved and the more dedicated you are to God, God the Father will review him, uh, will rather reveal Himself and His attributes to you. And you can have that strong relationship. There may have been an absentee relationship with your earthly father, but your heavenly Father will more than make up for that soul level of love that He wants to pour down on you and give you, and you are worthy, you are uh, valuable, you are something special in the eyes of God, and He loved you so much that He sent Jesus Christ uh, to die on the cross for you and buy you back so that He could adopt you into His family and make you His own. You don't have to seek the approval of man. You don't have to seek the approval of your peers because God, the Holy God of Heaven, loved you and has adopted you into His family. Others of you in here may have grown up in a home with an abusive father and uh, you tend to wince anytime you do wrong thinking God's going to lose His temper on you and come down hard on you. And my friend, that's just not the nature of God. The Bible says He's long-suffering and He's caring and He's kind. Yes, He's a balance of justice and mercy, but God tends to pour down His mercy on us all the time. And for uh, Hebrews, rather, Hebrews 12, uh, or rather Hebrews 13 tells us that God never punishes more then he absolutely must. And when he does, he chastens in love. He chastens in love. You see, today, if your idea of God the Father is either confused or distorted, I would encourage you to understand that if, if we being evil only know how to give good things, how much greater is the care and love of a holy God? Don't hesitate to run to God for Him to provide these good things to you. Number one, we see Christ's conditions. Number two, a parent's care. Quickly, number three, notice Christ's compassion. Christ's compassion. Look at Matthew chapter 7 and look at verse number 11 with me. The Bible says, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them 
that ask Him. If I knew that my son or daughter were in trouble and they were outside of my immediate watch care, I would drop whatever I was doing to run to their aid. A few months back, I was doing my best to hang a chandelier uh, in uh, the parsonage here next door, front lobby. It wasn't really, it was just a light fixture, not really a chandelier, but front lobby. And you know what? I didn't do a very good job, or the bar had to come and finish it for me. Amen? Um, but I was making an effort, and I'm up on a ladder, and I've got this thing, and I'm trying to get it wired in and, and all that. And uh, Matthew and April came over here to the church parking lot to play, and uh, April took her wiggle uh, board or her ripstick, and she's playing on that. Matthew comes barreling in the back door of the house and says, April was coming down the hill into the lower lot, and she fell. You know, as a parent, your mind runs to the worst thing. Did she break her neck? Did she break her arm in 13 places? And I came down off that ladder, and I shot out that door like a bullet. And um, I'm not exactly in the best of shape, but that, none of that mattered. And I made it to the bottom of the hill, and there April was laying in a puddle. Uh, a, a water puddle and mud, laying in a mud puddle and covered in mud, and she's weeping and crying. And, and I ran over and I picked her up and I, and I uh, helped her back over to the house, and she ended up being fine. You know, April has a flair for the, the dramatic a little bit, uh, but uh, she ended up being fine. And you know what? I ran to her aid. You know, God in heaven, He looked down at His creation and He saw that we had fallen in the mud puddle of sin. And God said, if they die in that sin, they're going to go to hell. Because the wages of sin is death. And God said, oh, but I love them. Oh, but I care for them. And what did God do? God bankrupted heaven. He took His most prized treasure. Uh, John 3.16 calls Jesus the only begotten Son of God. Your attention up here. Listen to me this morning. God took Jesus and He sent Him to earth and He put Him up on a cross. And God took our sins and Jesus became our sins. And He offers you and I the gift of His righteousness. He offers you and I the gift of eternal life. Jesus wants to save your soul. He wants to take you from being homeless and, and without a, a father, a heavenly father, and He wants to give you eternal life. He wants to adopt you into His family. You see, you have to understand that the compassion of God is best defined and most profoundly defined through the adoption of one's soul into the family of God and the transfer of the gift of eternal life in heaven. If you're here today and you've never put your faith alone in Christ to save you, please understand that a gift is free by default. It is free by default. If I showed up to your house with a gift and you tried to pay me for it, I'd be offended. I'd be offended. I'd say, I don't want your money. I'm bringing you a gift out of my goodwill. I went to the store and I paid for it. I took the time to put it in a box. I took the time to wrap it. And trust me, I'm not very good at wrapping gifts. And uh, here I am with it. And here it is for you. And you want to pay me for it? Uh-uh. You either take it or leave it. And listen, God did not go to a store to buy you eternal life. God pulled out His checkbook, if you will, and He signed the life of His Son on the dotted line. And He sent Jesus to the cross. That was the cost of the gift of eternal life. That is the best thing that God could ever give you. Amen. And if you die without that gift in your possession, my friend, God is going to have no choice but to send you to hell. 
He already put His Son on the cross and sent Him through hell for you. He offers you eternal life. That is the greatest thing from God you could ever get. You say, well, Pastor, I'm here today, and I have done that. I have believed in Jesus to be my Savior. I rejoice in you, with you. You say, well, what's next? Well, let me give you number four. Here, this point is for the Christian, and this is where we get really practical with the message. Number four, good clarified. Good clarified. Good, get good things from God. Good things from God, the title of the sermon. Well, what good things are there to get? Well, um, if we're thinking in terms of materialism, I can come up with a long list of some good things I'd like to get, right? There's some tools I'd like for my house, and, you know, there's a sports car that I, I kind of like, and, you know, there's some clothes that are, you know, uh, more expensive than I'm willing to pay. If God's just going to drop good things out of heaven, I've got a list. How many of you think that's probably not what the Scripture is talking about this morning? That is not. But see, we, that's how many of us think. We get on our knees and say, Lord, I, I could use a new this, and I could use a new that, and I'd like to have a new... And I, and I just want to say this morning, before I get into this point, I quit asking God to give me material things a long, 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 long time ago. Now, I've asked God to give other people material things. You say, but what if you really do need it? God knows what I need. God knows what I need. You say, well, aren't we supposed to ask God to give us these good things? We have a promise in Matthew 6 that if we seek first His kingdom, He's going to give us the necessities of life. No, I thank God when I get them. I don't ask God for them. You say, well, what, then what do you pray for? Look at Luke 11 and verse 13 with me. Look at Luke 11 and verse 13. We find a parallel passage to the one we're looking at in Matthew 7. Jesus would have taught or preached the same sermons in multiple locations. And so uh, these sermons sometimes vary a little bit because of the uh, uh, variety of delivery or the the, um, multitudes of times he gave the same message. And so they would have been slightly are recorded different in various passages of Scripture. But look at Luke 11 and look at verse 13. It says, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? God gives to each believer the Holy Spirit to dwell, indwell. God, listen up this morning, God has put good inside of you if you're saved. You are indwelled, if you're a believer, you are indwelled by a good God. The Holy Spirit has much good that He wants to pour all over your life. Let me just be really clear on this doctrine again this morning. When you got saved, you got all of the Holy Spirit you were going to get. You can't get, some people say, well, I, I need to be filled with more and more. I want more of the Holy Ghost. No, no, no. When you got saved, the Holy Ghost is a person. You got all the Holy Ghost you're going to get the day you put your faith and trust in Christ to save you. The question is not, how much of the Holy Ghost do you have? The question is, how much does the Holy Ghost have of you? How surrendered are you to Him? How much are you letting Him control your life? How much good are you letting Him pour all over you? I encourage you to get a pen and write some of these things down right here. In your morning prayer time, 
You say, I don't know how to pray, Pastor. Help me know how to pray. In your morning prayer time, begin by praising God. Begin by praising God. You're having a bad day. You woke up on the quote-unquote wrong side of the bed, right? Maybe your spouse woke up on the wrong side of the bed, and you had to deal with that grouchy attitude right off the bat, right? Maybe you had too much pizza in the middle of the night or too much ice cream right before you went to bed. You had a stomach ache, and you forgot to take your antacids, or you woke up and you met your three best friends when you rolled out of bed, snap, crackle, and pop, right? And uh, you're just not doing real good, and uh, you woke up not feeling real great, and you say, Pastor, I, I want to get the day off right. Well, begin by praising God. Uh, listen, come up with a list of attributes about God and names of God, and keep it fresh. Keep it real. Don't just get up and thank Him uh, for or praise Him for the same two or three things every morning. Uh, there is an abundance of things to praise God. Spend a few minutes in prayer uh, just praising God for who He is. Then move on and take time to confess your sin. Take time to confess your sin. Um, it's very important that you get real with God about your sin. I think a lot of people think that uh, they don't want to quite tell God everything. Let me tell you a little secret. He already knows. You can't hide anything from God. I think, truth be told, we want to hide being honest with ourselves. Lord, I took your name in vain yesterday, you might pray. And I know that must have hurt you. Help me not to do that today. Lord, I lost my temper with fill in the blank yesterday. I, I shouldn't have done that. Please forgive me. Lord, I coveted something that someone else had or a position they held yesterday, and I shouldn't have done that. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I lied my way out of a situation yesterday, and I know you know, and I know, and I was wrong for that. Take your time and confess your sin. Get honest with God. Ask Him to forgive you. Then, then, next, so you've praised God, you've confessed your sin, then, number three here, express gratitude for a handful of things in your life. Express gratitude for a handful of things in your life. Lord, thank you that my hot water heater is still working. Thank you that I have the ability to feel or smell or taste uh, or hear, uh, uh, go through the five senses there. Uh, Lord, thank you for my spouse or thank you for my parents or thank you for my siblings or thank you for my children or grandchildren. Uh, go through your relationships. Lord, my job is not ideal, but thank you for providing me income. Help me to make the best of it today. Take time. Uh, listen, uh, if you would just take a few minutes and count your blessings, you'll find that you'll need sheets and sheets and sheets of paper to write them all down. God is good to us. Take some time and don't get let this time grow stale. Rotate what you praise God for. Rotate what you thank God for. Have a long list that takes you well over a month to get through these things. Well, then when you're done uh, uh, thanking God, expressing gratitude, move on to this point. Pray for the needs of others that you know. Notice we still haven't gotten to you. Jesus, others, you. We're going to get to you in a minute. But you know what a lot of folks do when they get down and they pray? Here's what it looks like. Lord, thank you for making me me. And Lord, um, I'm awesome. And I'm grateful you made me this way. 
Some of you don't pray that way because, you know, you're a little bit more polished about it, right? Thank you, Lord, for giving me the eloquence to be able to give that speech at work yesterday. And, uh, Lord, thank you for um, uh, helping me to be such a good husband to my wife and a good uh, father to my kids. And What are we doing? We're being the Pharisee, aren't we, that stood up in the temple? Lord, and I need this, and I need that. And Lord, uh, if you provide this, things will be better. And if you provide that, and, and we're treating God like he's Santa Claus. You ought to get deep into your prayer and realize all I've done is praise God. When I've talked about me, it's been about my shortcomings. I thank God for the good that he has put in my life. And now I'm praying for others. I'm praying for others. You say, well, Pastor, how do I pray for others? Get one of our Wednesday evening prayer bulletins. You say, I'm not able to make it on Wednesday night. Get us your email address. We'll email you a copy of it. and Or you can pick up a copy on Sunday from the previous Wednesday. and Pray over the needs of our church. Pray over the needs of, uh, of, of your boss at work. Pray over the needs of your spouse. Pray over the needs of your parents. Uh, pray over the needs of even your enemies. Pray that God would bless them. Now, can you see that if you have taken time to praise God, you've taken time to confess your sin, you've taken time to express gratitude, you've taken time to pray for the needs of others, boy, you could easily be 30, 40 minutes deep into prayer. You see this? Listen, if you don't know how to pray, you get down on your knees and you pray for everything you can think of, and five minutes later you go, okay, I guess I'm done. What else do I say? But when we pray with a plan, boy, now God begins to hear an answer. We begin to spend real time in the presence of our God. Lastly, lastly, when you pray, pray for God to give you good things. Pray for God to give you good things. You say, well, what good things should I ask for? Well, point four of our message this morning is good clarified. Here are some things I ask God to give me every day. Here they are. I ask God to give me His wisdom. James 1.5, we referenced earlier. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God to give it to all men liberally and abradeth not. Ask God for his wisdom, and he will give it you. I ask God to give me his power, his power. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I ask God to give me his power. I don't want to do things through my strength. I want to do things through his strength. I want his power being breathed through everything I do. I want God to give me good things. I ask God to give me His love. His love. 1 John 4, verse 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. If we're going to love others the way Christ wants us to love others, then we need to ask God to channel His love through us onto others. What good things should we ask of God? Well, His wisdom, His power, His love. Write this one down. uh, We should ask God to give us His mind. His mind. Philippians 2.5, Paul wrote, he said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Um, Romans 12 says uh, this. It says that we're to ask for the, uh, rather, uh, uh, be not conformed to this world. There it is, verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be, uh, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Can I tell you what's wrong with many of us in here? We've got stinking thinking. Stinking thinking. I'm not sure if I'm going to go to church on Sunday morning. You've got stinking thinking. 
I'm not sure if I'm going to pray tomorrow morning. You got stinking thinking. You need to ask God to give you His mind so you can think through things the way that He does. Ask God daily to give you His mind. What good things should we ask God to give us? Well, I'll give you one more here. Ask God to give you a heart of faith. A heart of faith. I quoted Hebrews 11.6 earlier. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. Everything I do, I want it to be by faith and not by sight. Lord, help me to drive up my kids to school by faith. Help me to counsel at church by faith. Help me to write my sermons by faith. Uh, help me as I check out at the grocery store to handle the, uh, the clerk by faith. Help me as I even pick which grocery store to go to to do that by faith. I want God to give me a heart of faith. Nowhere in here did I ask God to give me a Ferrari or a new suit. Nowhere in here did I ask God to upgrade uh, my home or to upgrade uh, my, my smartphone. Uh, listen, God will provide those things that you need and you are to ask God to give you these good traits that will help you to be a better Christian. Good clarified. Number five, and lastly, notice Christ's commandment. Christ's commandment. Look down at Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. I love when we take verses we're all familiar with and put them in proper scriptural context. We've looked at Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Now let's look at verse number 12. The Bible says, Therefore all things whatsoever... Let me pause here. I want us to read this together. Everybody get there. Matthew 7, verse 12. Everybody there? Still hear pages turning. All right, Matthew 7, verse 12. Here we go. Ready? Read it with me. Read it with some enthusiasm. Here we go. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. We know this as the, the golden rule. We know this as the? There we are. Some of you weren't sure what it was called. The golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's a great thing to, to, to do at home, isn't it, with your kids and your, and your spouse? And that's a good, great way to treat your coworkers at work. Do to them, not what they do to you, do to them what you would have them do unto you. Notice the word therefore in verse 12. You see that? You see the word therefore? When you see the word therefore, you should look before and notice the verses that set that up. You and I cannot properly live out the golden rule without the indwelling, that salvation, and the controlling, that surrender of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When you and I learn how to get good things from God, listen, people can treat you any which way they want, and you'll do nothing but pour good on them, because God is pouring good on you. The quality of life around each of you will improve if you'll learn how to get good things from God. I finished the message this morning by just asking a handful of questions. The first question is this. Are you saved? Have you put your faith in Christ alone to be your Savior? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can only get to heaven by putting faith in Jesus. Romans 10 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. If you've never called on the name of Jesus to save you, I hope today you'll do that. 
And to those of you that are saved, I want to ask you this. Which level of praying are you at? Are we level one prayers? We ask and run. Lord, help me with this. And boom, we're off on our day. Are we a level two prayer? Are we seeking God? Are we spending time in His presence? Maybe after you have sought for a little while, you drop off and quit praying because you didn't get what you wanted in your timing. Or are we level three prayers where we're asking, we're seeking, and we're knocking, we're persisting in prayer. Don't just petition, but pursue. Don't just pursue, but persist. Watch God give you good things in your life. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Each head bowed, each eye, each eye closed this morning. How many here today would say, Pastor Lejeune, there was a day and time in my life I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save me. I know I'm on my way to heaven, not because I'm a good person, not because I tried to buy the gift of eternal life, but because I received it by faith. I put my faith alone in Christ to save me. If that's your testimony, would you just hold up your hand right where you are? Each one, if you uh, have done that, would you just hold up your hand for me? Thank you. You can put them down. If you're not certain that you're going to heaven, Boy, I, I would like to pray with you. I have no intention of embarrassing you. In fact, I've asked heads bowed and eyes to be closed so that you would have a private moment right here. But between me, you, and God, if you don't know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die, would you first be honest with yourself and then be honest with God and just indicate that by lifting up your hand so I can pray for you? There's one here today say, Pastor, I just don't know I'm going to heaven. Would you pray for me? that's you, would you hold up your hand? I see one hand. Is there anyone else? I just don't know if I were to die, I'd go to heaven. Would you pr- just pray for me, Pastor Lejeune? The one hand that was raised, I just want to say thank you for being honest. If you raise your hand, would you just look up here at me just for a moment? No one else is looking. It's just me and you. Standing down front here is Pastor Andrew. In a few moments, I'm going to have everybody stand. Several people will most likely come down and bend a knee here and pray. Several people will. I'd like to encourage you to come with them and have past, shake Pastor Andrew's hand here. He'll have a lady take the Bible and show you how you can know you're going to heaven. You can go home today, put your head on your pillow, knowing that one day when you take your last breath, you're going to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. I sure would encourage you to do that. How many here today would say, Pastor Lejeune, there's some things today either I learned or some reminders that I needed. Pray for me that I will grow in my prayer life. Pray for me that I will come the prayer warrior that I know God would have me to be. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand right where you are? Pastor, pray for me. I want to be a man or woman of prayer. Pray that God would help me. Lord, help us this morning to be people of prayer. Help it not to just be something that's preached about and talked about, but something that's practiced each day in our life. May we pray in our prayer closets. May we pray uh, everywhere we go. May we pray without ceasing. May we be people who are people of prayer. May this be a house of prayer. In Jesus' name, let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed.